You're listening to Rock Shop Live, brought to you by Stuart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at stewartguitars.com. Microphones for Rock Shop Live are provided by Rode Microphones. Now for Music Gear Network, here's your host, guitarist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy, beautiful Friday, long weekend Friday to you all. Welcome to Rock Shop Live. Uh, this is something we've been looking forward to doing for quite some time, a reschedule. Uh, a lot of people know this familiar face in the guitar community, guitarist Alex Skolnick. Alex, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Man. good. Great to be here. Uh, glad we could finally get this together. I apologize for my crazy schedule, no but uh, <laughs> here we are. That, it's good to have you. And I want to I want to say a couple things to you right off the get go. The fact that it's an honor to sit down and chat some guitar with you here tonight. But on top of that, too, it was very very kind and considerate of you because I mean we had to we had to bump the show basically twenty five minutes thirty minutes before uh, showtime when we had you scheduled back. I think it was in June. And, you know, uh, some guests would just say, you know, screw you, little podcast, you know, I've got bigger things to do, but you were very accommodating. You knew we had, it was kind of beyond our control with our internet provider, and you, here we are. So it's, it shows a lot about, uh, uh, I don't want to say the testament to you, because that'd be a pun, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> it's very nice of you, yeah. so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, now, unfortunately, that was the only time I could do it, you know, before the summer, mm-hmm. when I took off, and I've pretty, it's pretty much been traveling nonstop since then. So, I know. Well, uh, we got me my first week back. So that's good. Oh, well, I'm, I'm take whatever we can, and we'll be you talking. Made it happen. Yeah, yeah, and we'll be talking about some of your traveling <laughs> as well too. We get to live through some of your uh, your sites because I'm I'm a photographer as well. That's what I do for a living, and I and I know that's a oh, passion. Is that right? Yeah, oh, excellent. I, I know that's a passion of yours, so we're going to get to talk about that throughout the program as well too. But before I get way behind, which is usually happens every single week, I want to say hi to a bunch of people that are here uh, mainly to see you tonight, uh, strictly to see you tonight. So we've got Thrash Metal and Fun Riffs is here. Mr. Hellstorm is here. Um, I, I guess we can uh, we can always Mr. start. Hellstorm. With a, I know. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who that is. No problem. But he does. Hi, Hellstorm. He right. does have a question though, right off the bat. Hellstorm so we'll start with or Hellstorm. Hellstorm. So yeah, Mr. Hellstorm seventy okay. four. Yeah, the hailstorm folks, I do know. I bet you do. I bet you do. Uh, I'm 74. Maybe that's his birth year. It could be. So anyways, he says, please ask him what Chris Olivia meant to him and what influence was he on his playing? Sorry for asking this so early, but he will jump in with a question. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a phenomenal player, and uh, <clears throat> I was a big fan of the early uh, Sabotage records. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I mean, he was one of the, I think one of the first guys, even though that that wasn't really thrash music, uh, the very early sabotage, it was very heavy. It was very dark and melodic, and uh, it had a lot of the qualities that thrash metal had, and a lot of the guys that would end up being in, in thrash metal bands were fans of them, and Chris was one of the first guys where, you know, you could tell he's uh, technically... Um, a able guitar player, mm-hmm. and you know I always liked the energy of like the, the early thrash, but it would, the guitar was always more punk rock influenced. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about groups like Venom, yeah, Motorhead, go, and God bless. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing high energy stuff, but it's it wasn't like technically technically challenging guitar. Yeah, you know, it was more like coming from a garage rock place. And Chris sure. was one of the first guys I heard, you know, you could be a fan of say Randy Rhodes and George Lynch and all, you know, all these sort of emerging guitar players of the early eighties mm-hmm. 
and listen to Sabotage and hear this heavy music but with this really cool guitar playing. And he always kept getting better, too. Uh, when we first toured with them, when Testament and Sabotage toured together, I, I almost thought they, when I first, when I heard the soundtrack, I thought they might have had a, <laughs> a new guy <laughs> because he's just gotten so much better. Wow. So, yeah, it was just a huge honor to, um, to you know, fill his, his shoes for a bit. Very Well, great question, Mr. Hellstrom. Thank you for kicking it off so well uh, early into the program. R2R3 Locknets, good friend of ours here. He's one of our moderators as well, too, and he's excited for the show, so nice to have that. Keith Pass is here. Uh, Gary Tholander is here as well, too. Six String Brian is here. Uh, sending good vibes, he says. Scott Roos, hello from Nova Scotia. Going to be a great show. Uh, Brad Nova Miller. Nova Scotia, eh? Yes, that's right. Oh, I'm, I'm bad for that. I'm right dead center in Ontario. And, uh-huh. and I use the A, you know, the typical Canadian, and I have French background as well, too, but I don't think I say it in the typical hoser Canadian way, like, hey, take, take off, eh? But I'm like, that's, I, I, I'd be talking to you about guitar. That's a cool riff, eh? And it, oh, yeah. it's not a Canadian thing, I don't think. I think it's just kind of a way I end my sentence. Instead of my question mark, it's A. <laughs> I don't know. Right, you don't, it doesn't, you don't sound like foobar, though. No, exactly. Like, you know, up in the Nord, right? You know, that kind of thing. I don't really yeah. embellish it that much, but, but I get it for sure. Uh, continuing on here, I just want to see if I didn't uh, make sure I didn't miss anyone. Uh, Butterfly and Ladybug show. That's my better half here. She's running the chat. She runs a really great uh, a ship here. Doesn't let anything negative come through. Um, okay, and she's funneling another question to me because she's faster than I am. From Michael Easter says um, uh, asks Has your aesthetic for harmony changed during your journey? If so, how? What a question. That's a good one. Oh, interesting. Interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I ha- I've got different sides of my playing. Mm-hmm. And I've had, at this point, uh, I've had periods of time where, you know, I'm focused on one style more more than another. And I would say, you know, like, I, you know, I joined Testament while I was in high school. That was my first band. Wow. I know that story. And my first, really my first seven years of uh well, I, I was in the band for seven years, and mm-hmm. that was really kind of how I uh, uh, yeah, went out into the world as a player and really got basic skills together. And I would say at that time, uh, you know, I just – I knew Harmony from the – you know, from the, all the classic rock and hard rock stuff. I'd listen to, you know, okay. like some of the earliest harmony I remember, you know, it was like the Eagles, right? Hotel California. Yeah, right? yeah. What a great example of just two guitars doing dual harmony. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, as I was, that's as I was, you know, when I was really young, I remember that. And then, uh, you know, and then hearing hard rock bands with twin guitars, you know, Iron Maiden and their songs and uh, Priest. Then Lizzie. Uh, and- I mean, so many, yeah. Yep. And Lizzie was, yeah, just these great guitar players. Um, you know, even somebody like like Def Leppard, yeah, mm-hmm. the more like pop oriented stuff that they did, stuff like the, yeah, the beginning of uh, Bringing on the Heartbreak, yeah, oh, beautiful. Uh, that's an amazing. <laughs> so I absorbed all that stuff, but it was really um, limited to that. And then after. That first wave, we uh, was testament. I, you know, I ended up in New York and um, went back to school and studied harmony at the university level, and got a degree in jazz from, from the new school. And mm-hmm. then I, I, I learned about all this harmony that, uh, you know, I just 
had no idea about before, um, including yeah, what's called extended harmony. Okay, which is kind of next. Yeah, and that I think you know that's certainly I think when I came back to Testament when Testament reunited, you could definitely hear that in some of the lick, and I, I still do do a lot of that uh, today, where you're not just thinking, oh, this is a third, this is a fifth, but you might think you might pick other notes and then build a whole shape around it instead of just single notes so, right uh yeah it's it's evolved i, I would I, I could actually make more sense if i described like specific examples of music but i'll just i'll just say that you know my understanding of extended harmony has, has helped a lot okay well, throughout the program as well, too, we're going to kind of take it a little simpler. I mean, this is, uh, you know, not exactly the world's most talented, um, you know, riffage when it comes to guitar. We're going to talk a little bit about Kiss, because Kiss comes up a lot here on the show, and I know it's probably an influence on you. And, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's really a wood. Yeah, and I mean that in the most positive... I started playing. Exactly, <laughs> a lot of us. And I mean that in the most positive way. We're going to talk about, you know, Ace Frehley sure. and even Paul Stanley having a, a limited guitar vocabulary, but with what they can do with it, but harmonies with those uh, those guys as well, too, will be down that rabbit hole, too. Uh, and that's really cool. I'm glad to hear some of these things like that with, uh, with the harmony. And that's something I've never really experimented uh, much with, but I certainly am a fan of all those bands that you mentioned and many, many more. And you, you start picking apart, you know, the onion layers to some of these songs. It's like, wow, it's very, very cool. Yeah, well, also, you listen to Kiss... Those early records. I mean, they're they're such good records, and um, you have to remember they they also for a time yeah they have they would have a producer like Bob Ezrin, mm-hmm. for example, yeah, who produced uh, Alice Cooper and produced uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, you know. So there's some like serious orchestration happening. With the guitar harmonies, for sure. That kiss stuff. Uh, ACDC as well. Yep. The way the yeah, you know, a lot. The riffs are so singable and hummable. But if you really get inside of it and explore what each guitar is doing and the timing of it, it's it's not as simple as it sounds. That's right. And it's one thing too. I'm sure you can appreciate. I mean, you can tread like the best of them. But at the end of the day, the the general consumers out there um, are not necessarily always guitar players or even necessarily right. fans of guitar. When you when you can walk away humming a guitar solo, like yeah. uh, you know that that's you know you've contributed something pretty special to the song. Yeah, I try to do that. I try to you know, <clears throat> I I like you know an occasion, occasional sh- shred. Mm-hmm, of part course, if it's not overwhelming. Yep. Uh, for me, anyway, that's just it's just my taste. But yeah, I try I try to find that balance. But ultimately, it's more important, I think, to have harmony and something that's that's singable. Exactly. Well said. Uh, two simple questions here that were just funneled to me as well. Too. One is from from Thrash, and he's uh, we get this a lot. Obviously, and every guitar player on the show will get the typical question here, but it's a good question. And this may vary between you between your rock set and your jazz set. Uh, string gauge in particular brand that you like and does it vary between jazz and, and uh, your, your your rock gig? Uh, it does. Yeah. In fact, I, I have a bunch of guitars behind me as mm-hmm. you might be able to see. And then uh, right below these guitars, there's a couple shells and that's where I keep my strings. I saw some Daddario's down there. Yeah, so I can, I can actually show you. So here's a box of uh, Daddario XLs. I love uh, those. These go on my electrics. Uh, these are um, 11 to 49. They are NYXLs. Yep. 
Um, so those those go on my solid body electrics. Okay. <clears throat> uh, if I play guitar guitar like this, for example, which I, this one I've actually never I don't play it in public very much. It's more okay. like a home guitar. Nice. Uh, it's made by Heritage. It has hand built uh, arch top. Uh, but all my yeah, all my um, my main jazz guitars, I use um, these. Nice. So these are also um, XL, but they're nickel wound XL um, <clears throat> with a wound third. Okay, gotcha. Right. So the for you- the solid body guitars, I the third is unwound. Would be plain, yeah. Yeah, and these are um, twelve to fifty-two. Okay, so they are a little bit thicker. I like a little bit more um, girth. Yeah, on the jazz for the jazz lines, a yeah. little more resistance. I exactly think, for those types of lines, you want to be able to bounce off the strings. Yeah, and not bend too yeah, easily. <laughs> Period. You don't bend as much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and there's actually uh, so those those are the main ones. Okay, but you know um, I have acoustic strings. That I affect there. Those are right right here. <laughs> this is very convenient. Nice. Yeah. So for uh, my steel strings, I use these, and then uh, the nylon strings. I don't have handy. They're buried in the back. I don't change them as much. But I, yeah, I, so I have yeah I have different sets for each each type of. Uh, each type of instrument. Are you an endorser of the Dodario brand, or just something that you, uh, you gravitate towards? Or yeah, yeah, I've um, <clears throat> been with Dodario and Planet Waves for gosh, like probably close to a dozen years now. Oh, that's great. Well, probably um, um, probably almost as long as ESP, right? You've been what two thousand, early two thousand, you, you or two thousand? I uh, actually no, that's not that's that's more recent. Two thousand thirteen. I think even later. Okay. Maybe. Wow. So it isn't a bit newer. It's only been yeah, it's just just over five years. I okay, think. but the Dario goes um, way back. The Dario, yeah, the Dario from like the late two thousands. Um, yeah, I think about maybe two thousand and eight. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> next year it'll be twelve years. So. I'm I'm assuming probably the first time you popped on the Amway XLs after going from the regular XLs. Like I, I know myself, I was like, where did this string come from? Yeah, I really noticed a difference. Yeah, and last. I mean, I'm sure you probably still change them all the time regularly for every show and kind of thing, too, even though it's not needed. You have to, just for, you know. I mean, it depends on the show, and it depends on the length of the set. Um, at least, usually, every, every two shows. Yeah. Um, unless, you know, if it's a really long set, and it's a hot set, and it gets, you know, you sweat on the Oh, <laughs> the yeah. Then you probably need to change them a little more often. Yep, exactly. Um but yeah, I actually had the good fortune to play the uh, launch party for the um, the New York XLs. Okay, and right was, on. Uh, yeah, it was a great <clears throat> jam session, and each each of us uh, played a song about New York. Okay, nice. And it was myself, uh, Vernon Reed, um, Osnoy, um, Earl Slick. Uh, I think Guthrie Trap, uh, Robin Ford. I mean, just this oh, really cool lineup, lineup of, of folks. That's very cool. 
Nice. Well, Vernon, both Vernon and Oz have by, been by the show here in a couple of our different shows too. I respect those gentlemen oh, cool. like 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 mad. But yeah, uh, great that's guys. phenomenal. Obviously, yeah. and a couple other questions funneled our way as well too. Uh, Mike, uh, this is more of a statement. Mike as himself says hello from Chicago. Alex Testament is my favorite thrash band. Thanks for everything. Uh, so that's very nice. We answered the stri- uh, string gauge uh, questions. Um, and Scott Roos has a good question. It kind of goes back to the harmony question as well, too. And Scott knows his stuff. He says, um, ask if you've ever dabbled in quartel or quintel harmony. Example, building chords by stacking the chords, notes, and fourths or fifths. That's even beyond me. I don't. I, I can't even do that. But do you experiment in that at all? Well, with with the instrumental stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Okay, that's cool. And continuing, I mean, it's basically. You can think of it as uh, it's almost like a straight line across the fret. Okay. Right. Like if you do, well, you know, it's mostly fourths. Yeah. There's one third, but that's that's a great sound, and you'll you know you'll hear that. A lot of that comes from you know jazz piano. Sure. But uh, yeah, if you listen to my trio stuff, I, I do that all the time. I have whole songs based on that alone. Force voicings, yeah. Okay, right on. Thank you, Scott. That's a great question. Uh, R2R3 asks, uh, does Alex remember the practice what you preach recording process? His solo is phenomenal. Do you remember uh, the kind of the approach to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at that time, you know, we were experimenting. Okay. And um, we had done the, the previous album, The New Order, which was very... Um, it was just it was just a very micromanaged album. Like, okay. it's great album. Yeah, you know, we love we still probably play more songs off of that record than any other one. <clears throat> but the you know, the drums were recorded totally separate. I don't think we kept any of the original guitars. Uh, it was just like layer after layer after layer. And um, we for practice we preach, we just wanted to do a more live approach. So it was pretty much done live. And a lot of the original tracks were kept. Some of them were fixed, obviously, but um, the solo was mostly live. I think I only fixed a couple of things, if that. I think that was one of the ones where I just got really, really lucky. Nice. <laughs> yep, those those happy little accents are also just yeah. went really, really well. That's cool. Right on. Well, fantastic questions as well, too. And there's another one coming up here in a moment that's going to lead us right into a really cool story here, um, how I kind of found some funny backstory on you. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, Bobby Lopez asks, and we're going to talk about your ESP endorsement a lot throughout, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but we'll talk about it tonight. And yeah. don't feel obligated to give the ESP answer here. And it may, maybe ESP what? is the answer, but uh, Bobby Lopez asked, what's your favorite guitar? Maybe it could be something that you found somewhere in a shop on the on the road. Do you have a special favorite that just is like, if you look back and you need to have the mojo, it's always going to give give you that? Um. Well, I have more than one guitar that you know, I can count on. Okay. And certainly the ESPs are designed so you know I can totally count on them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I know it's, you know, I don't want to sound like it's I'm saying what I'm supposed to say. No, no, of course. Because you know, I endorse the guitar. But mm-hmm. um, in the studio, uh, they really work the best. And, uh, you know, they're, they're really kind of based on my favorite guitars. Like I, I started out, um, I, I started out as a Les Paul player. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I had my Ibanez period, which I, I still have my early Ibanezes, but I, cool. 
I sort of I found my way back to the Les Paul. I think as I branched out as a musician, and I just when I was finally um, given the option to have a signature guitar mm -hmm. from ESP, I thought, yeah, okay, well, let's look at my favorite Les Paul guitars. And I would say, you know, the one guitar that really kind of influenced my signature guitar is a um, 1960 reissue from about 92 or 93. Okay that I got from a great guitar shop in Ithaca, New York. It's still there, a house of guitars. And um, this guitar, yeah, it's a like a historic gold top. Beautiful. And I, yeah, and I'd gotten it. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I just ordered it from them um, directly, you know, without even trying. I just knew I, I wanted a gold, I just, I was at this point. I've always, I've always wanted a gold top. I've never had one. Anyway, it's such a great guitar, and at least for like the recordings that I did up until say 2010, from from like the mid 90s to 20, like every project I was involved with, uh, that gold top was was the main guitar. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, um, and what? Yeah, when, and it was it definitely. A partial blueprint for my uh, my signature guitar, and it is signed by Les Paul. At one point, I was able to bring it to him. Nice at the uh, the Iridium, yeah, when he was still alive. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you could barely see it. It's like it kind of the signature faded. I wish I'd sort of gotten it covered up. Well, you remember it um, though for the experience. But yeah, it's a very special guitar, and there's definitely a lot of history with that. Nice. I've noticed it's a three a three knob configuration. Is it volume tone tone or is it volume volume tone? Uh, volume, volume, tone. Volume, volume, tone. Okay. Talking about my signature guitar. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure how that worked. That's very cool. Uh, and this is the really cool question here as well too. So average Joe is uh, kind of has a question about your thoughts on modelers. And I, and this is a really funny backstory here. And when I'm talking about modelers, you know, like Kemper Helix, you know, uh, yeah, I have, I have one. Yeah. Uh, right here. So. Oh, right, right underneath me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be your Kemper, right? <clears throat> yeah. Right. There right you here. go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> well, here's a funny story. Um, this is how I got into the modeling era, era, era or the you know the the technology. Jeff Waters was on my show, and I've had a couple a couple uh, guests on the show. We're speaking very highly of you, and when it's not my guest speaking Basically, highly of you, uh, people on the chat cool. are always yeah, great guy. But yeah. whether it's guests in right. the chat or people on the show, they're always talking about Alex, 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 and it's, that's one of the nice things I was looking forward to having on a show. That's so cool. Jen was talking about you, and we'll talk about her in a moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. But Jeff was talking about a tour he did with you guys. I'm not, I'm not even sure how many years back. A few years back with Annihilator, and uh, yeah, I wonder when he's talking because we toured very recently. Okay, and a what, year and a half ago. Unless he he may be talking about way way back. And, well, no, couldn't have been too long ago because we're still we're talking. You know, when the digital technology was you know where it is today. Oh, okay. So yes. yeah, we're probably probably about three. Three or four years ago. Yeah, that sounds perfect. That sounds right yeah. about in our time frame. And now, here again, I'm, I'm giving his side of the story without him here to kind of say it exactly, but he, I'm going to try to paraphrase. And he said, whether it was your crew or maybe some of your guys in your band, but they're they're like, where's your backline, guys? What are you using for a rig? And all of the guys up front were using Helix. And I guess it kind of, you know, maybe through some of your crew for, uh, for uh, you know, a, a tizzy. What, what are you guys using? So is, is that story somewhat true? Am I telling the story right? Or 
Yo, I I don't remember this. Okay. So it might, I might. It could have been crew, crew, maybe. Yeah, it could have been crew. Between him and the crew. So yeah. I, but it's apparently from, from there but, on. Uh, as far as like my uh, relationship with uh, modeling amps, um, I, I, you know, I, I've long, I've been slow to uh, adapt, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, I did a tour every winter or from about from 2000 to 2009 called the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Oh yeah. Probably heard. And um, we would use the um, one of the early modelers, the um, the Pod by mm-hmm. Line 6. Right. And I wasn't just to be honest, I wasn't crazy about the sound. Mhm. But I understood why we're using it because no amps on stage this, and well, yeah, no amps on stage. You need to uh, keep it. You need a quiet stage. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody was on in ears, and the in ears were yeah, not quite as common as they they are now. Mm-hmm. Really, like like the arena artists were using them, and um, it's also there were also so many people on stage. Just no room just physically. Made, yeah, it just made sense. And the sound man, you know, he needs a certain mix. He needs to depend on the mix. So I got it. Um, but I just, I, it was never something I wanted to use um, outside of TSO. Right. Um, and then since then, yeah, I've come across, uh, you know, the, the Helix, the, uh, the Fractal, and yeah, I'm, every year I'm kind of more amazed at how how these things sound. But none of them really um, sounded like like I could go in there and really kind of come up with a sound that sounds convincing. Um, you know, it's like a good sound, but it's not my not your sound. sound. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yep. And then the Kemper comes out, <laughs> and that's that's a different story. Okay. Like the Kemper once. Uh, and there is a learning curve with yeah, that's that's what and scares I'm still me. Still on the learning curve. It's been a few years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you, you know, if you work with somebody, I'm like my tech Carlos really knows the thing inside and out, and I get tips from him and from others who who know it really well, and I've used it in studio. Yeah, it's just um, it's amazing what you can do, and I've. Yeah, we've been using it with Testament. Uh, everybody on stage is using them, and it's great for the sound person. Mm-hmm. Uh, for shows where we would normally have to rent an amp or ha- have it provided by the promoter because we can't, yeah, you know, we're unable to travel with a, a big stack, Marshall stack type amplifier. Uh, it's great because you know it's the it's the right sound. That's you right, get, consistent it's, it's every time. Yeah, it's a dependable sound. So I, you know, I still, if I play when I'm playing um, instrumental music, I still prefer an amp. Okay. Um, when you're just hearing me, but when I'm part of an ensemble and there's other guitars and loud bass, you know, something something like Testament, uh, then it, it, it works perfect. Because you're and more I've in the also mix. Used it, yeah, and I've, I've used it at home. Um, I just did a, uh, a guest appearance for a. Uh, Pretty well-known blues artist, actually. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it yet. So okay, no problem. Yeah, don't mention it. Uh, but I did do a guest appearance for for Jen, yeah, our friend. Yeah, and, Jen uh, 
I that I, I used I used it and it was and it's worked out great. I I, I did a couple other recordings with it. Um, pretty yeah, pretty pretty recent. There's a couple. It's great for like guest recordings. Yeah, and even uh, the project of Metal Allegiance. Yep. Uh, our lot this the record that we did um, came out late last year. The second record. Um, Mac Portnoy, Dave Ellison. Power Drunk Match. I did a bunch of that on, on, on the Kemper as well. Perfect. Well, it's funny you mentioned that too. I mean, you're saying, you're echoing a statement that was almost verbatim what Joel Hoekstra said. Joel was on the show last week and obviously one of your colleagues from Another TSO. Yeah. 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 And he was saying the exact same thing. And this is what I think is so versatile for some of these people doing these big productions, the theatrical stuff, the Vegas residencies, all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, Def Leppard is another example going to Fractal. Just makes sense. But Joel said the same thing with Cher and with TSO. It's just, you, you just can't have anything on stage. Number one, yeah. neatness is obviously important but it's it's in the look but it's not the first f- focus it's the fact that there's just so many people there's orchestra there's dancers there's background singers there's like 50 people on stage you just can't have a Marshall cab on there or whatever the case may be so that's very very cool and he was using yeah and also Marshall's and other tube amps they change oh for sure you they know, do the, the tubes wear out the yep. uh, yeah they can change day to day depending on fuses and tubes mm-hmm. and Bounce, bouncing on the so truck on the way. Yeah, that's part of what gives them the character. Of you know, course. It's so raw and so live. But, um, yeah, you need the, the consistency mm-hmm. of these um, modeling apps, especially these big shows. Like Oh, yeah. It's got to be the same as the last show. Exactly. No difference. Yeah. Where a lot of artists have told me, too, is, uh, you know, and this goes across the board with any uh, genre of, of music, you know, so the, you're renting amps from whatever the backline provider is in, in uh, X city, wherever it is, and who wow. knows what they've got. You don't know what you get there. Then they plug into that. It's like, what the heck did they give me? Has this thing been biased? Has this thing had new tubes in the past 12 years? You we've just, all had this happen. Right. So that's why some of these digital devices, I mean, you know, like them, love them, or hate them, they're going to give you the exact uh, same sound. The only thing that's going to change from place to place is you and your mentality on as you approach it that night. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, here's a question from Headstock Harem. Says question for Alex. When did he start playing, and what songs did you first learn? This is this is that's a good question because we all have our first songs. Uh, Walk Don't Run by the Ventures was one of his first songs. So do you oh, remember your great. very first one? Um. Yeah. Well, the first one I figured out on my own. Okay. Was uh, Day Tripper. Oh, beautiful by the Beatles. Right yeah. on. Okay, and that's uh, very slowly. That's tricky. That's a tricky song as a, as a beginner. Tricky. Yeah, but. And I had already learned the basic chords. Uh, I, yeah, I already learned like open chords, and uh, I think I had I, st- I studied with a really nice, cool folk teacher, and he just taught me like the basic chords. You could convert them to like basic folk folk songs. Sure, but I don't really count that as my first song. My first real song feels like Day Tripper because. Like I figured out the riff, and I also realized, oh, if you play it down close to the bridge, mm-hmm. it has that twang. Okay, that the original has. You know, it was re- it was really. I think they were like going for the the surf sound. Yeah, yeah, because surf was popular. Uh, the James Bond theme at that time had that same kind of tone. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, yeah, it's that tone, and I really, oh, you know, that kind of sounds like it. And that was the that was the first time it was. Yeah, you know, I. Those, I figured out something nobody taught me 
that it was just totally exploring on my own so it really kind of gave me a lot of confidence to i love that i could just picture young alex going to show your buddies listen to this man look what i can play and you're rough you know a rock and day tripper yeah i know those guys were like, hey that sounds like it uh, yeah How are you doing that yeah <laughs> you're doing it right my mine was much easier uh, and i'm embarrassed but i'm not embarrassed mine was uh su- super freak by rick james but oh, that's a good one yeah it's kind well, of fun you're not playing that in the pocket isn't that easy i know and then to go from there, which this is where I felt proud when I can actually, as, as you know, as a, be- a beginner guitar player, going from like, you know, an F chord to a C chord to a G chord to, a, you know, what, like da- dancing around the fretboard with uh, open chords is a struggle for a beginning guitarist. And I le- my brother taught me House of the Rising Sun. And oh, yeah, that true. that sounds trivial to to us today, but as a you know a kid when you can't you can't even do the shapes and to be able to bounce oh, from yeah. chord to chord, I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, good. good. Nice to hear these stories. I'm gonna continue on down the chat for a sec. Say hi to some people as well too. Mitch Heyman is here. Gary Holt is here. Not the Gary, Gary Holt. Not that Gary Holt. <laughs> if he had a dollar for every. Yeah, for every yeah, he's time. He's not doing anything tonight. That's right. No, he's yeah, he's just sitting at home. He gets it so many times. People subscribe to him. He's a good friend of mine. Actually, he's he introduced me to Gary Kramer of Kramer Guitars, um, and uh, he gets us all the time. He has probably like probably uh, all these people subscribing to him on YouTube because they think he's Gary Holt, right? Oh, he's the other yeah. one. Yeah, so he just says Gary Holt's using his name. Uh, ah. Charles Green is here. Beer Hounds, beer, uh, beer Hounds, beer reviews. Hi, Alex. Cheers from Santa Ana, California. Oh, cool. Thank you for tuning in. Phil Mosley, music. Nice. Um, oh man, we have questions faster than I can even get to them. This is awesome. We have a great, great group here tonight. Nice. Uh, Gram seventy four. If I'm getting that right, and uh, this is probably voice to text here, so it could be wrong. But uh, ask Alex, what was the guitar you used in the old days around the Legacy album? I believe it was a white star shaped guitar with uh like a strat headstock do you still have that one does that ring a bell yeah that was a um custom built guitar no brand okay built by a local luthier um star body and the neck was made by charvel nice um but no i don't have it i mean it, it i kept it until about i don't know four or five years ago and I just, you know, it stayed in a storage unit. Mm-hmm. I never once thought about it. I never once played it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it just, it seemed like such a waste after you know, over like 10 years, yeah. just collecting dust. Like, you know, let somebody else own it. So you auctioned it off or? Yeah, I did. It was, there was a big rock auction. Nice. I, just, I let a bunch of stuff go. And it, it it felt felt good to to do it. Nice, yeah. Someone's playing that and treasuring it. And hopefully, hopefully they're yeah. a player, which is nice. It's always it's cool when you see people buy these guitars for like umpteen millions of dollars, and it is sitting in a trophy case somewhere. But it is really nice when you see some young kid, you know, or maybe an yeah, adult. Yeah, I saw. I heard from the guy who's who's got. Yeah, he's, he's nice. He's really like yeah. Yep. He's really proud of it. That's so great. Big stand, so it's, it's perfect. Awesome. Here's a question of mine. So when I had you booked originally, I think we were looking around June. It could be a little bit later. I forget when we had you originally scheduled, but right, pretty much that weekend, you were going to the uh, the big VIP unveiling of the at the Metropolitan Museum. And uh, at that time, too, we were focusing so strictly on a lot of Van Halen content. But of course, Eddie Van Halen's original Frankie was there, the red, white, and black one, his original stage rig. But I would love to hear uh, kind of a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Cliff Notes theater of your version of the night, what it was like being there, witnessing all these iconic instruments that you, I, all of us grew up watching and listening to. 
Yeah. Well, there's um, the new ep- uh, issue of Guitar World mm-hmm. has a story about that. Uh, I went back there okay. with um, a journalist from Guitar World okay. and a photographer. So in, if you get the new Guitar World with uh, Adam from Tool on the cover. Oh, you were just talking about that on social media. That's right. Yes. Um, and I still need to pick it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, it's all about that. And I talk about it. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it's an ama- it was an amazing exhibition. Um, you walk in, like the very first thing that welcomes you is um, Chuck Berry's old guitar. Okay. That he, you know, he did a number of his iconic tracks on, and, you know, this, and there, there it is, and it's it's beautiful. And then you go past that, and uh, they have the Beatles drum set <clears throat> that you recognize from you know from mm-hmm. the Golden Show, yeah, <clears throat> and some of their guitars, and then um, just guitars by so many. Artists, Jimmy Page, um, Eric and, Clapton. Yep. Um, you have the the Fool that you have the psychedelic SG. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a number of pages. Yeah, well, they even had the Stairway to Heaven acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. A lot of the uh, you know ones that yeah he still uses like it all. All of those said on loan from Jimmy Page. That's beautiful. Which is great. Some of the other ones you. You had to look closely because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember I got excited. Okay, here's Sister Rosetta Tharp's guitar. But then you look closely. It's it's actually it's the exact same type of guitar, but it wasn't – they don't know. It wasn't hers. Gotcha. So a few of them were just – yeah, I mean, they're still amazing instruments. Mm-hmm. But they weren't always – but, you know, they had so many that were the actual ones that were owned by these great artists. So, of course, you had – Van Halen, um, they they had this whole rig. Yeah, the the the, un, the unfinished cabinets, so like the Tolex all torn off, the old yeah. beat up pedal board. Yeah, which is amazing. That just puts you right there. It's oh, like I you're know. in there in practice room. Yeah, and then uh, the there's a black and white guitar in front of it. Mm-hmm. Black and white. Of course, that's, that's not a replica. the real one. That's a replica. But they do have the real one. Because the real black and white one, became red he later one. painted red. That's right. Yeah, so they they can't be two. You can't have two of them, right? So they had. That's yeah. the only replica. That's the thing that's cool about it is they'll only use replicas where they absolutely have to, and that's one of those things where it can't be both. But here's something I've always said on the show, and I, I wonder if you noticed this. I'm sure you did. I know you did. But looking at Eddie's little, like, really, really made the garage uh, pedal board, and you look at that MXR. I think it was a 10 band EQ. And I've always said that Eddie dimed his mids, and people are like, they would argue with me all the time. No, Eddie didn't dime his mids. I mean, he would dime everything on the Marshall, but he would also dime his mids. And people are looking at that board that would surface on photos. I'm sure it's in the guitar world, and it's all over the internet. And people are looking at it, and they're like, no, he's scooping his mids. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Look at it as Eddie's perspective on the stage looking at the audience. It's dimed. He had everything in a triangle just like this. And it's really cool to look at that. And I think he might even have it taped so that, you know, so they wouldn't move too much. But even back in that day, he was diming his mids to cut through like that. Yeah. It was yeah. very cool. So, yeah, and then you have uh, Prince's guitar. You have oh, a couple yeah. Prince guitars. Um, and, you know, uh, Ann Wilson, I'm sorry, Nancy Wilson. 
I mean, just so so many that it's just it's got it got a little overwhelming. But uh, yeah, the the real iconic ones, of course, yeah, were like the Van Halen, yeah, and the Jimmy Page, and the, you know, clapped. Oh, of course, Jimmy Hendrix. Uh, the, yeah, the guitar he played at Woodstock. They had that one there. It's, they have that, and it's it's in shockingly good shape. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that was one of his main um, instruments. You know okay. what I mean? He used that for some shows. He used it for Woodstock, but I, it didn't get you know beat up or you know burned like some of his other ones. Uh, yeah, it's it's surprisingly in great shape. Oh man! I, so yeah, it's just it's just it's it's a really wonderful uh, exhibit. I, I forget who I'm one of the, the last guests I had on, and I feel so bad for not knowing this the story. But nonetheless, the story is the most important part. Um, just before the show, I, I want to say Michael Sweet from Striper, but I could be wrong on that, and I I'll have to go back later and I'll comment in the video and, and mention it. But just before the um, com- before coming on my show that night, they went through um, uh, Prince's studio. It might, I think it was Michael Sweet, uh, but through you know the tour at Prince's studio there and uh, Paisley Park. And it was just saying like the the mojo and the the vibe, just being in that place. There was no you couldn't take pictures. You know they weren't allowed yeah, to take sure. pictures, stuff like yeah. that. But uh, it, I I can relate that to what you had at the at the Met. Like just yeah. it's almost like if you're a space buff, if you're you know as a kid I wanted to be an astronaut, I wanted to fly the space shuttle and things like that. I've, I still have a, a fascination for it, but not like I did as a kid. But it'd be like going to these space centers and you know or the try- Air and Space Museum. And, yeah. Uh, DC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's so cool. I'm, and I could, did you kind of for a few moments feel like a little twelve-year-old Alex, you know, learning guitar? Oh, of course, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I can I can feel that that vibe right now. Oh, Stevie Ray's guitar. Nice. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. Oh I, wow! I could just go on and on. It's yeah. Fun. I can just picture like a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, someone trying to break in there at night with laser beams coming through trying to get Eddie's guitar. Or, you know? <laughs> <laughs> good luck on that one. I'm sure there's like yeah. Fort Knox security. Uh, let me see. Oh, so we asked that question from G Ram. Mr. Hellstorm seventy four says, "Does Alex have a special Paul O'Neill story that he can share?" Oh gosh, well, Paul, may he rest in peace. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, there's so many stories. Okay. Uh, I don't. God, I don't know where to begin. Um, the other. He was, he, you know, he was an interesting guy. Okay. Um, he liked to, um, yeah, he was very generous. Part, part of like with um, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, like he, he saw that project almost as like being, like he got to be Santa Claus. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, it was like his gift to everybody. And then um, he... Okay, you know, he would sometimes give gifts, like hand out hundred dollar bills to, like tip somebody with a hundred dollar bill, like tip a cab driver with a, like nice. completely. He loved doing stuff like that. And Very then, extravagant. I remember there was one um, tour. There was, I guess we were we were rehearsing. It was in Omaha, Nebraska. We were all going to the same restaurant, and he left a ten thousand dollar tip. Like that's how it happened. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Anonymously. Yeah. But just from compliments from the Trans Siberian Orchestra, and then it made the news. Okay. It was on the local news. A member 
of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra left a $10,000 tip. And we were all saying, hmm, was it which Alex? one did it be? <laughs> was it Alex? Was it you? Was yeah. It you? yeah. Everyone's looking around the room at rehearsal. And- yeah. So I'm not complaining, but I'm not getting paid that much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh man. And it means, I mean, I've certainly, I know he probably wouldn't have done it for the publicity, but it, it, it just uh, his gesture, but it certainly, it certainly didn't hurt publicity either. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there was a, he got, he got out of it. Yeah. hundred thousand dollars of advertising. Also, so yeah, it was, yeah, it was just, just amazing. Like every, and there's so many stories. Like I just, yeah. Yeah. I like could not, we could be here all night. Oh, oh yeah, I know that's awesome. beautiful. Well, great stories, and, and it's almost goes. I, mean, I don't want to make a comparison here, but I mean, when it's an accidental advertisement, look at. Uh, I'm not sure if you watch Game of Thrones. I know you're really into reading literature and stuff like that. Do you watch a lot of the TV, like you know, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead? That's Dance? the only. That's one of the only shows I watch. Okay, I, cool. Well, then you'll yeah. relate. So I won't be. Yeah, I won't be spoiled. Okay, there's spoilers of me. Okay, um, I love. Yeah, I, lo- I loved uh, Game of Thrones, but. Well, that's it's rare i'm i'm there's so many shows i'm not uh, up on i i don't have time oh i i know i know your schedule you know my schedule yeah that's right well here's in this and you'll appreciate this this was an accidental uh advertising gold mine you know uh when daenerys supposedly had a uh, it was in the early screenings of it when it went up to tv first they caught it really quick there was a starbucks cup in front of her on on the well no it wasn't a starbucks well, that cup. was in the final episode that's right, right. Yeah. yeah yeah so there's and obviously a lot of eyes on that screen and it wasn't a Starbucks cup, but the general world thought it was Starbucks, and we and they told the world it was a, a social media told the world it was a Starbucks cup, and it was some other competitor's coffee. But look at the advertising Starbucks got. Like I think they worked it out. It was like umpteen million dollars value of advertising because the world said it was Starbucks, and it was. Oh yeah, yeah, it was the best thing that happened to them. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. That happened in. Um, well, actually, what, what that's how. The way product placement got started, okay, movies was because of the the movie E.T. Okay, there's a scene where E.T. is eating these candies. Okay, yeah, Skittles or M and M's? They're actually everybody thought they were M and M's, and M and M's business blew up ap- after that. But they were actually Reese's Pieces. <laughs> oh, right, right, okay. <laughs> Isn't that something? So just because we yeah. think it's a certain thing, right? That's that's awesome. That's yeah. a great movie too. I mean, we've all seen that a million but, times. But then after that, you would, yeah, you would start to see products somewhat, almost yeah, obviously placed in movies. Yeah, and that's a great scene in Austin Powers. Oh, I love it! Just make fun of, with Starbucks. Yep, yep. You know. Well, Mike Myers, obviously, my uh, Austin Powers. Let's let's take it back a little further. Let's go back to Wayne's World, and they actually took it to the next level to put it in your face. You know, like, hey, try these. I have a headache. T- tiny Nuprin yellow, and then Gar's got like the headbands on and the Nike yeah. shoes. I don't just do this because I get paid. And he's putting his feet up on the desk with like the whatever Adidas or whatever it was. I can't remember yes. now. Yeah, I love that to death. Um, our friend here, Guitar Hack, says it's not a question, but just a, a statement for Alex. Uh, he's an awesome player, a great gentleman. I love seeing him judging on shredders of metal. Oh, cool, cool, nice. What, what's That's that? What's that like? It's a very Canadian experience too. It's great. Nice. You know, it's really. Um, yeah, well, that that uh, we just aired another season. It's up online now. Nice. And that's through uh, Banger out of Toronto. Yep. And Sam Dunn, who makes you know, these amazing documentaries. And, uh, yeah, I did the first. I was uh, the celebrity judge, quote-unquote, on the first season. 
and uh, just did season two uh, with uh, my buddy Ben Weinman from Dillinger Escape Plan as a fellow judge. Nice. Along with Sam. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's a total, it's like, you know, it's a, it's, it's like a reality competition show, but it's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> the guy, Lane, who hosts it, you know, he's a Toronto based comedian and he's hilarious. Oh, yeah, very cool. Very, a lot of, yeah, it has a lot of elements of, you know, like Thubar and Bob and Doug. Yeah. And like that. Oh, I love that. But there's some great players too. That's some yeah, that's the icing on the cake. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like I've been under a rock for the longest time because I've been hearing this name, this banger productions and this film company out of out of Toronto there. And it was so funny because um Junior, my son, his name's Eric as well too, Eric Junior, he's a, a aspiring musician, he's kicking my butt every day. He's turned me on to Slipknot. And mm-hmm. uh and I I mean I thank this kid. Like he's thirteen years old. He's turned me on to music that I would have never listened to in a million years. Like I'm not really into the certain styles of music and Slipknot wasn't my thing. Um, but I love them now. I was never into gorillas. I love them now. Um, you know, and that's more on the pop side or whatever. whatever. Yeah, um, they're really excellent. Yeah, I love them to death. I mean, I mean, when you start, I think if it's if, it's funny because those are both sort of anonymous bands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Slipknot. We all know who yep. they are now. Yeah, they're I, masked. That's right. And um, yeah, even though we know Mick and Corey, yeah. But I think gorillas. I don't think anybody knows who they are. Only, only two main people, uh, obviously, right. uh, and that's a, a couple spinoffs from Blur. Uh, uh, Damon Albarn, obviously. I mean, he's he's Mr. Gorillas, you know. And then, I mean, he's the musical mastermind behind that. And then Mike, I want to say Mike Smith. He was a keyboard player, I believe, in in Blur, and he's their musical director. Oh, okay. There could be one other guy, and my son could tell me for sure. But you know, kind of this, some offshoots of uh, Blur, and you listen to some of Gorillas' demos, and you can totally hear Blur. You know, yeah. you totally hear that, so it's very, very cool. But where I was going with this, I shot a couple, I live streamed quickly from uh, Toronto from the uh, Budweiser stage there, the old Molson Amphitheater, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah, beautiful. yeah many times. Year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm streaming, and someone says, oh, do you have to check out Bangers there. And I'm like, so they must have been filming a bit of a documentary on Slipknot, so I can't wait to see what they're doing. You know, oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. something's going to be cool out of that. Um, a really cool comment here from Heather Jean says, uh, "Hey Alex, huge influence. Still love old Ibanezes. Cool, nice. good deal. Well, I still have my most most of my old Ibanezes. Nice. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, they're 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 great instruments. Um, I just uh, you know I think by the time in the like the, yeah the nineties was this huge period of development for me." Mm-hmm. You know, I had just been like the guy from Testament. Yeah. That's all I all I was, and I kind of felt, and this you know, it has nothing to do with anybody that at Ibanez now, but at the time there was sort of this pressure, like you're the guy from Testament, you need to, you know, I, I really wanted to, you know, play different types of guitars, certainly, and, and I, I don't, you know, it just it didn't make sense to um, stick around at that time. No, I get it. The only, uh, I've had a couple over my lives and, and uh, my lives over my life, and I think RG seven fifty had the uh, shark inlays on it, and then the other oh. one I had that I really regret getting rid of. We've all had guitars that we've you know regret and we lose. And the only thing that makes me not feel so bad about it, I bought this guitar from a music store in Canada that was never really climate controlled. And here, as you know, touring in Canada, I've, I'm sure you've toured uh, all through the winter and the summer and everything else. We get extremes sure. here. Yeah. And I had the Gem 7-7 flower pattern, beautiful guitar, original 90s, like 91 or whatever it was when I got it. 
but because they didn't climate control the store at nighttime, uh, you know, they'd drop down to just below freezing so they'd have enough heat to keep the pipes from freezing. And then first thing in the morning, they'd crank it. And the, um, the fingerboard was separating from the neck. You could almost to the point where you could put a guitar pick in there. Oh, wow. And I probably could have taken it to a good, I know it could have, but I was a young, stupid kid. And I think I traded it for like some piece of junk. But if I had it today, you know, it'd be, you know, not even wouldn't be necessarily worth a fortune. It'd be worth a few bucks, but it would just be that original, right? Because it was, it's just such an iconic guitar. Yeah, I don't think those are that hard to find. No, you can still find them. Reverb has them a lot. eBay has them. Just got to be yeah. careful they're not fakes. But, but it was such. Because they made a lot of them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's not, yeah. They put a lot out there. Uh, it's one, not, yeah, it's not like, a, it's not a pre-CBS. No, 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 track. not at all. Not at all. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things, that little point I wanted to make about you too, like I'm obviously going to like these places like the Met and you're seeing all these cool guitars belonging to all these guitar heroes. And I know you get this a lot, like some of your shows, whether you do the meet and greets or things like that too, it's got to really put it in perspective for you when you're worshiping all these guitar players out there all these years, you know, Beatles learning Day Tripper as a young kid. And then you get these kids or adults, even people, you know, my age, uh, your age, uh, older than us coming up to you like, you're a major influence on me growing up. That's got to be very surreal. And it probably keeps you kind of grounded and humble as well too when you're worshiping these guys and we're worshiping you as well as as an influence. It's probably pretty cool for you yeah because you know it's interesting you don't realize that as it's happening right you know, exactly. all you do is you work on these these albums and it's a lot of you know blood sweat and toil and sometimes band drama that goes into these these albums mm-hmm. and yeah you're just that's that's it i mean you're just kind of consumed with the making of the music and then you put it out there and then you do the live shows to promote the, the record and uh yeah you, you know you it's easy to sort of miss the effect that that's happening that that's having on on others and it's yeah it's great it's great to sort of be reminded oh yeah there are people listening and there are yeah and uh, yeah it does keep you grounded too because uh you know if people you're, you're being watched and yeah, you know, you we've all seen people we admire like behave like a complete jerk, and and that's sad. Yeah, yeah, we don't want we don't want to be that. I so. know, I know. <laughs> I, I remember as a kid, my mom would always say to me too. I mean, my mom was a major influence in, in me playing. And she'd be like, don't be putting all your cards in that Eddie Van Halen's basket. You know, you meet him and he might be, you know, um, a really mean person. Ah, Unfortunately, I I met him at a good time. You know, he's gone through, he's had his periods, right? And I met him at a happy time. And I met him three times during the same, same year. And I was like, thank you. Because I could just imagine being, well, I wasn't a kid at that point. I'd be probably, what, in my early 30s, I guess, something like that. You know, so, uh, you know, but I've been playing guitar for a long time and meeting my hero and I didn't have it crushed. So I was very, very happy about that. But I do know some people who have met, not him, but other pe- other musicians and they're just, that's their life achievement, waiting, meeting this musician and then totally snubbed. And, and that just sucks. Oh, yeah, the experience you know? yeah. sucks. And I know so many stories like that. Yeah. Uh, my, yeah, my Van Halen experience wasn't very good, but knowing what I know now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how you know the, all the personal issues he's had over sure. the years. There's no secrets about that. I mean, that's so it makes sense. You know, re- read the Sammy Hagar book. You know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's um, scary. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm over. I would love to meet him again on a better situation. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. The guy that just struck me as an angry drunk. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It was just so sad because it's like, oh, you know, this is, this guy's had this tremendous influence on you. Like you have, you, yeah, your core, your life course has altered because of this person. And then yeah, you meet him. Exactly. A personal disaster. But yeah, you, know, you, you have, there are situations where you have to separate the art from the artist. That's right. And even if he had been a complete dick, which to me, which he wasn't, I, I, I would probably say, to be honest with you right now, if he was a complete jerk and says, go away, kid, you know, don't ever contact me again, or blah, 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 I would probably still worship him because the music spoke to me before he really did, you know? Sure. And so that, that really captivated me. But here's something that you're going to get a kick out of because I told you off the air, um, you know, it's, a lot has changed in, this, in a few months since I originally booked you, and we used to be called EVH and Gear TV Network, and we changed our name, but it was always an EVH-centered show. And I had some people so scared, oh, you're never going to talk about Van Halen again. And I would get comments, 50-50 on the channel. People would say, Eric, all you talk about is Van Halen. And the next person would come in and say, you don't talk about Van Halen enough. I'm like, I think you you two groups need to get in the room and kind of come up with a general consensus because one thing I talk about too much and the other thing not enough. And I know when we tar- started booking you, you like, oh, let's talk about some Van Halen. You were all game for it. So, oh, yeah, I'm always game for it. Of course. So here's a question that I used to bring out a lot, and this will kind of show some of the fans here as well too, that Van Halen content is not going away on our channel. We're just not going to be talking about every wow. single night for the rest of our lives. Okay. What was the first record that you heard uh, by Van Halen, and how did it move you? And it, 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 and maybe if is it your favorite today, or what may be your favorite today? And it doesn't. there's no right or wrong answer. Okay. Uh, Van Halen won okay. the debut. Yeah. Um, it's still my favorite today. Although you know, there's 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 a lot of great stuff. Um, I yeah, I I, st- I st- just still remember hearing it. And it was a record. It was yep. Just before CDs were becoming popular, mm-hmm. you know, people still had records, and um, I remember just hearing, going, "What the <laughs> hell is that?" Yep. Everyone said the same thing, pretty much. Like, is that a spaceship? Is that a keyboard? You know. I've never heard a, yeah, I've just never heard anything like that. And um, it's interesting too because, like, you know, over the years I've I've gone back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even performed the record. Nice. Once. Okay. The um, the anniversary of the record was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And Metal Allegiance is you know this all star group. Oh yeah. That we play for and so I we did we did the whole record. Um. Rotating vocalists. Mm-hmm. It was like Joey from Anthrax, Mark from Death Angel, um, a couple other guys. We, we, we were on the um, Shiprock cruise. Gotcha. A um, couple rotating bass players, uh, David Ellison and Mark Mangy, Mike Portnoy on drums. Of course, time. yep. Um, but uh, the band Tremonti was also on the ship. Okay. Wolfgang Van Halen. Boys playing bass at the time. Bass at the time. So he was there, and he came and played with us, and did a couple. And so I. Oh, that's yeah, beyond cool. It was a lot of pressure. So that it went well, luckily. Yeah, there's video of it. Um, but it caused me to really dive into that record and re relearn it. And a lot of what I really I remembered that a lot of what I loved about it. What wasn't just the things that he became most popular for, right? Yeah, you know, the three fingered triplet, mm-hmm. uh, the, 
yeah, the the whammy bar noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the feedback with the whammy bar, all that stuff. Yeah, because that was like that was all new. But I'm gonna guess the swing. Other things there. The swing, man. The swing. The um, there's some like licks that are really just like blues rock. Oh licks. yeah, yeah. They're not like anybody else. They're not the same patterns. It's like he slightly adjusted mm-hmm. Age and Clapton were doing. And he kind of gave him like this Holdsworth fluidity, but without losing the bluesiness. Yep. Like making it even <laughs> bluesier. And it's just, yeah, there's just nothing like it. It's still to this day. And yeah, there's so much music that you hear when you're young and you hear it later. And it's like, oh, not like I remembered it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still good, but you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like when I was 10 and I, I, became an obsessed kiss fan mm-hmm. well peter chris was the greatest drummer in the world you could not tell yeah me. yeah I like the drum solo in a hundred thousand years sounds like a helicopter <laughs> exactly and it's like the same lick yeah <laughs> with a flange i know it's like <laughs> listen to that's <laughs> taken yeah. off right yeah that was the greatest you know, and then a few years go by as like, you know john bonham is really i uh Maybe a better drummer. <laughs> well, well, you and I are, we're about the same, very close to the same age. And I'm, uh, did you go through a video game craze at all? Um, at all, like the Ataris well, or Nintendo and things like I, that? I had those, but I never really, yeah, Atari a little bit, but then I got, I kind of lost interest. Well, the reason why I ask is, and this is the same thing with music, because I, I, I went through all like this, especially when Sega Genesis and stuff like that came out. There was, the technology was getting a little bit better, so games were getting pretty good. And there's a few games back in the day, and I would think, okay, they, like I mean, they were just the bomb. And I'd rediscover them today, either like with emulators or new systems that you can play the old games. And thinking, oh, I can't wait to go play Ghouls and Ghosts or something like that. And you go back and you're like, oh, this. And then you die the first second you jump. It's like you die. It's like this game is freaking hard. How did I like this game back then? Same thing with the music. You know, sometimes it doesn't move you the same way. But I love the way you talked about Van Halen. Van Halen. I know. It's like I appreciate it more. Yeah. It's like as good as I thought it was. Wow. Just, you know, approaching it as an experienced musician. Yep. And you just discover all these things. It's like, oh, my God. He took a symmetrical pattern. He went all the way across the strings. There's no scale. I know. But it sounds perfect. How did he make that work? Or he snuck a a quintuplet in there. I never, you know what I mean? And it's just still this... That record, I mean, yeah, most most of the early, but but especially that record, it's just this treasure trove of oh, I know. like that. If you read it on paper, you're gonna look at that on paper, thinking this. I don't think I want to listen to this, and then you hear it. It's a different story, but yeah. Well, that was also something I discovered about myself early on, which is funny because I later went back to school, and I you know when I got I got a music degree from a university, so I had to at least be like functionally musically literate of course but it's real i'm definitely more of a an ear player mm-hmm. like stuff like that i don't want to look at it i don't want to see the music like you know what i mean just give me the recording well for sure and feel it yeah yeah, yeah if i'm learning a, a set like an instrumental set with music, sure send me the chart Yep, I'll I'll learn the melody off the off the notation, whatever. But if yeah, if I were to look at say I'm the one, yeah, transcribed. Oh boy, I just 
That's got anxiety got, written all over it. I can still it. pick it out and know what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, it's not how I want to learn the music. I want, no. to, yeah, I want to learn that by hearing it. That's right. You have to feel that. That's why I always tell kids, and I use the term loosely when I say kids, but younger generation guitar players, I say, don't listen to Eddie's lead stuff. Isolate, the, get some rhythm tracks isolated and listen to that oh, rhythm. Yeah, start with that. Yeah. That's, and all the lead stuff has the same groove yep. as the riffs. But you got to feel that rhythm. You you can't just learn that one day. You have to you have to be born into that, and, and you have to feel it. And if you can get that first, the leads will come later. But here's yeah. here's There's a, also like ones that aren't that hard that you can learn oh of course yeah like you know uh, feel your love tonight and you know things like that you know uh, little dreamer uh, yep exactly what a great fucking groove yeah i know although it's again it's one of those things it's deceptive it's not as simple as it sounds i know try try playing running with the devil just just up the up chords uh you know when he's playing quiet roll the volume back off it sounds so incredibly simple try to play that 100 percent in time um, I did a cover of it, and I listened back to it. I was like, "What the hell was I thinking?" And I was—I even had the track playing, and I—I I, you know—I muted the track when I put my tracks over top. And I was like, "I'm not even in time with this whatsoever." And it really schools you very quickly in a, in a good way. But here's a funny story. I, I know you'll love this because you mentioned Mark Tremonti earlier, and this has a lot to do with Wolfgang as well, too. Because obviously, Mark is very good friends with Wolfgang. Um, Mark was on our show probably about a year ago, and he's going to be coming on in two weeks again, just before they take off. Oh, cool. Up. Yeah. Tell him I said hi. I will. I, I, we run into each other, yeah. He's, he's a great guy. Great guy, great player. He is. Yeah. Well, he told us when we were you know, focusing heavily on Van Halen at the time, uh, he got invited out. Wolfgang invited him out to the to 5150, and, uh, and obviously Dave's never hardly ever there. It was just Eddie, Alex, and, and Wolfgang. They were going over the parts, and I think they were they were actually playing live on the floor. And so, you know, Mark's getting to witness a different kind of truth before it was even done, right? And just all uh, all instrumental. And, you know, Mark's digging it, whatever. And then, you know, uh, he'd look over at Wolf and like, oh, man, that's great because he's really good friends with Wolf, and he's just kind of meeting Eddie. And Eddie actually come over to Mark and's like, but what about my parts? Like, do you don't you have anything, anything good to say? But it was so funny because, like, right. Mark idolized. Like, yeah, you're. You, yeah, you're Edward. <laughs> I know. He's like, I have to tell you. <laughs> I know, but it's it's kind of cool too. You know, to hear Eddie like almost like maybe being a little jealous of his son or you know just one of those things. Yeah, right? he needs approval too. Yeah, I know. I love that. It was a really funny and yeah, and, and humbling cool. story. I love that. Um, and we are. I put, like the new Eddie. I like. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's and great. the very old Eddie. Like in between, there was some. Yeah, and I'm glad he just seems to be in a much healthier place. We all, are. I mean, he's smiling, healthy. That's right. A lot of people just realize, you know, they. I mean, a lot of the '80s bands I grew up listening to, you know, it's you see them. They've given up drugs and alcohol, and and they're coffee drinkers, and they're they're kind of they're coffee yeah. snobs now. But at the same time, you know, you, your life you just can't go at 110 miles an hour, uh, you know, all the time. Yeah, it's gonna catch up. To you. That's right, and it's and I applaud these people because, you know, look at some of these people, um, you know, getting into his hardcore drugs the very first time. They're taken out way too early, or people that have been on it for a lot. Of, it's not an easy thing to curb, even quitting smoking is a hard thing right. to do right That's so hard enough yeah kudos to these people that can turn their lives around and continue to and and rock and roll per se mu- i shouldn't just say rock and roll the music business is there's a lot of pressure peer pressure on on the musicians to to fit in and come on over here if you fit in this little click we'll make you go better you know this kind of stuff and it's you know unless you got a good head on your shoulders and good people around you you can go down those bad rabbit holes uh very quickly oh yeah i mean there's also there's the people, yeah, the people on stage that you see, mm-hmm. and there's the people, yeah, that the crew and 
the manager, yeah, the people, professionals that were. But then yeah, there, there's hangers on. I know. In every scene. Yeah. And they can really, uh, yeah, they can really get the better of of you. I mean, there's a, a cl- very early jazz tune mm-hmm. uh, by Charlie Parker. And it's called, uh, that's actually a great tune, but it's called uh, Moose the Mooch. Okay. Moose the Mooch was some hanger-on, deadbeat heroin dealer yeah. that got Charlie Parker to name the song after him in oh. exchange for a drug deal. <laughs> so to this day, you know, we're, those of us that love Charlie Parker, yeah, we're listening to the song named after this douchebag. Oh, man, we had no idea, no idea. <laughs> so it's, yeah, so they're like, you know, it's it's a part of it. And yeah, some people get, you know, he was an example, unfortunately. But yeah, people get brought down by the sort of seedy side of it. Mm-hmm. I've always, um, I don't know, I've always been more of like a, an observer. Right, I've just right. Sort of observed what was happening, and I've always been kind of puzzled by it because I, I just always thought, okay, but, you know, the reason I got into this was music, guitar. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. Why do I need to get trashed? Yeah, all the time. Like you're kind of ruining the experience. Yeah, the performance is the party for a lot of people. Yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah that's and right. I, I'm. I enjoy a good cocktail or whiskey as much as anybody mm-hmm. but you know this whole thing of just yeah that, the lifestyle is just you know yeah I've, I've never I've, I've never been able to keep up with the guys who would later have to have to go preach sobriety you know? yeah no I, I get that I think where a lot of people is the fact that that rush that high on the stage um, you know, and maybe some people that were, you know, very quiet people off the stage, they needed that rush that they had on the stage and they're not going to be on the stage again for X amount of days or maybe not for a few hours or nights or whatever. And yeah. so they need that pick me up to get me to that next show. And that's where they went that. But the other people could well, take I do it. recognize that. Yeah. I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I just did a whole festival tour mm-hmm. in, yeah, in front of like, thousands every night. And yeah, you feel great. When you're done, but and it is strange when suddenly you're just yeah you're you're not having that experience. Like mm-hmm. But um, there's positive and negative ways to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Yep, you just have um, to make sure your head's on right. Yeah, yeah, but you know that same um, energy force I feel coming on instead of a show. Well, I go out for a run. <laughs> I go nice. I go yeah. I will run run several miles. And if you're physically exerting yourself, you're using, you know, your body. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, it, it helps. It kind of, it, 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 she taps into some of that same, that same energy. Yeah. Because the show that's is so very physical. Like, yeah. 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 That's right. But uh, I, I know it's, it's, it's sad over the years. I mean, we, you know, at a certain point you realize, wow, you've seen just so many people get, you know, get taken down by, addiction or impulse control yeah well more power to those people that are fighting it and uh in winning which is great because it's not an yeah. easy uh, struggle Absolutely. for sure I, 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 you know i empathize i've you know i'm fortunate never to have 
gone through that, but I've seen it enough. And, uh, That's good. Well, I'm glad to hear that you didn't as well too. Would you, do you, would your parents have a lot to do with that? Maybe would you say that they, they guide and guide you in the right way or a little bit of both, or did you just have your head on right from uh, a young, a young age? Well, they made me want to do drugs. Did they? <laughs> I chose thrash metal. Instead. Okay. Okay, that's good. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I yeah, no, my parents are um, like extremely academic. Okay. Individuals. I mean, they're basically like. I mean, they're. they're I think they're the generation uh, before there was postdoctoral. Oh, okay. Studies, but they have both. Yeah, PhDs, and I think if they were. Yeah, if it was if they had grown up a little later, they'd have both have like, you know, a wall of like postdoctoral degrees. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Just like like academic to the extreme. Yeah, yeah, wow. And I think you know, I do. I picked up on a little of that because you know, I come that manifests in like the fact that I like to read, the fact that I like to um, observe. Um, the yeah, they're they're both in the fields of sort of, of uh, observing. Right. You know, and so, yeah, I, there's a lot of that in, in, you know, in the music world. Mm -hmm. Observe, and you observe behavior, and you sort of, but, but to me, um, yeah, it's just as a way to express myself, I just never felt like doing what they, what they did, which is write in academic journals. Well, there you go. And public, you know, published textbooks mm -hmm. i'd rather have my stuff you know, my expression come out in, in a song and here you are today and, still doing yeah, it and loving yeah. it it's still fresh still fun you know it's not like you're, you're dragging yourself to get on that stage you really enjoy it it's not necessarily all about the money i mean obviously money has been good and allows you to continue to do what you do for for a living but it's a passion and you're out there all the time with many different bands you know, uh, between yeah, jazz trio. I, and I have, luckily, I, 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 my work, you know, I like being a, a somewhat of a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just very, very passionate about it. And I like, um, being very busy. We were talking about TV shows earlier. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. People ask me about, you know, did I see the, what I think of the walking dead last week? And I, I said, I have, no idea. <laughs> I guess I don't have time. I, yeah, I don't have time. Yeah, you know, I'll make time for an occasional show that I really like. But yeah, you have to cut out a lot, a lot of things mm -hmm. to be good. A lot of things I don't, and I'm thankful I was never a sports fan. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I respect it, and a lot of good friends of mine are very passionate about it. You kind of can't avoid it. Uh, you know, especially football and baseball in the United States. Just no interest. So the, yep. the amount of time I save by just not having that that interest and having to watch every uh, NFL game during yeah, you know, I know a lot of wasted technically strange. wasted hours technically. <laughs> yeah, or you know maybe it might inspire. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, maybe they get this rush and it inspires them to achieve. But uh, yeah, it's just my interests um, are just so much more focused on creative arts and uh and more recently photography as we were i'm so glad that, you talked about that and that that's a great move and just want to let you give you that's time that's an accident that's just a very recent thing but yeah somehow the yeah i'm finding ways to channel that same creativity and 
you're on the road anyways. You're seeing some of the most beautiful locations in the world like Prague and all these places overseas and England, Germany, uh, I mean, all over. Uh, and you get you have a camera with you and, and you just have, I mean, I shouldn't say this. I was going to say you just happen to have great talent at it. But I, I find a lot of people in the arts, music, whether you're uh, a musician, it, photography, it's in your blood somehow. You know, you, you're seeing the world a different way than the next person out there. And you're kind of capturing that through the camera. And a lot of our fans here on the show, I've got several of them that are uh, good friends that are photographers as well too. Carlos Santon here, Brian Cote, they're photographers as well too. And I saw looking at your photos... I could really feel, uh, it's almost like hearing some of your music. It was, it really brought, you know, vision to me. It brought, you know, a lot of feeling and just, so, and you're, you're shooting out there with a Leica camera. I think you got like a point and shoot yeah. Leica or something. What is, what is, what was it like the first time you took a few photos and looking back thinking, yeah, I, these aren't, these aren't bad photos. Well, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a really good balance mm-hmm. because, um, it's a new thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, pretend to you know suddenly with the snap of the fingers i'm manny Leibovitz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly right you have a big shoes to fill in that one it's not it's not like that at all um but you know like the, the thing i've probably spent the most time with in my life is this guitar mm-hmm. yeah, you get to know that thing so well and the patterns and it's just it's so nice to it's it's just a good perspective i think to take up something else mm-hmm. that you don't have all this experience with yes that's new that you have to do the the process of discovery and sort of be more formative and really develop um and the cam- yeah the camera is is that for me but it's also I, I if I may say so I think I, I am developing pretty fast because I think I'm taking a lot of the learning skills mm-hmm. that I've developed over the years with music and applied it and sort of applying that and they're learning how, how to apply that and also knowing what uh, what I like mm-hmm. like just focusing on what I like you know because I think. Um, it's easy to get caught up in you know what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I should I should shoot these landscapes. I should shoot this scene. I should shoot this. I need this style. No, you you shoot what really speaks to you. Yeah, yeah. You 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 should do this certain angle. Mm-hmm. You should you know. Um, and it's the same thing with you know with guitar. You'll often hear, oh, you should do this. You right. should do that. You should learn tablature. You should you know whatever. And you know different people learn different different ways, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think, yeah, with, with photography, I'm just, I've been really able to focus on, like, just recognize, like, if, uh, if I'm, if I'm looking at, uh, other people's work mm-hmm. and something really hits me, yeah, just to focus on that. Okay. What, what is, why do I like that photo? What were they thinking? Why does that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's, oh, you know, they, they're not just standing there looking at, Say it's a view mm-hmm. of like a, a landscape, and you know you go to one of those places where they have um, like a bench and mm-hmm. it overlooks of yeah, where everybody stands there and takes pictures. Right, of course. With the same, but then 
the pictures that really stand out are the ones where it's it's not typical. Oh yeah, like you be a contortionist. You're laying on the ground, upside down, hanging off a cliff, upside down with your arm up, whatever. Don't be afraid to try these crazy angles. Yeah, so I, I have, I've, I've, I've obviously in music you meet a number of ph- photographers. Mm-hmm. Of but, course, all yeah, like the Niels of Zowers and everybody like that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't have an interest in doing that type of photography, but. Every now and then, yeah, you see how you see how they work, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I have this this one f- uh, friend in Germany, Evelyn Steinweg. She's a photographer, and okay. she took um, photos for my my trio album. Anyway, she comes to the shows, and she like, she she's like a Cirque du Soleil character because <laughs> it does. She she just yeah she chases this vision, and she'll stand on a chair with one leg and whatever it takes to get the shot yeah yeah but then you you wonder why is she doing that and then you see it and it's uh, it's amazing there's a price price to pay to come for that i mean i don't mean a physical price i mean a price on her you know she's got she goes through a very physical thing to get that shot whatever it takes yeah and then the one who really pushed me as far as yeah, my friend uh, Randy from Lamb of God, mm-hmm. best known as the vocalist of Lamb of God, but okay, um, he has just become this serious photographer. I did not know like that. This. Oh yeah, oh you you didn't know that? Yeah, no. well you, he he is set for like <laughs> if he, I mean I think he's got a you know I know I see no sign of him slowing down. Yeah, with music, but you know, down the road he decides to do the Tom Mariah yeah. route, and you know. He is set. He is photography is going to be good for him. Incredible, yeah. Wow, yeah. I mean, he's just um, it's 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 pretty unbelievable, and um, he can just take a very basic photo and just yeah point. He's he's almost like a pool player, Mm -hmm. a billiards player. Yeah, he can just point at something and shoot. But the way he'll do it, he'll get a great shot, and he's kind of graduated from digital to to film nice and um he was the one who know just noticed some of my typical one of some of my phone photos okay and just say dude you gotta be sure you have an eye yeah because that, that's very important no i don't even know that i have an eye i don't know what I'm, but yeah i just felt like um chasing this image so he he really got big we were uh on tour last year Actually, when we played the the Molson or whatever that's called, that same tour. Yep. And he uh, he loaned me his, uh, a Leica. He has a, a couple different Leicas, and just let me have it for the last couple weeks of the tour. Mm-hmm. And sure, and that's that's really what started it. And then I had to get one. And they got it. And I did, yeah. And it's just it's been such a good thing because, like you said, I'm already going to all these places. You there I've anyways? Got the travel in travel photographer mm-hmm. is covered oh yeah a lot of people just can't happen. afford to do that you're there anyways on the tour why not I'm use already it? there yeah. so you know what? yeah i might as well um just try to k- capture these and uh, it's just been great and it's getting better and uh i have an instagram now just for my photos called per- skolnick pics perfect uh but i'm also i'm working on a photo website good and, yeah and just having this other creative outlet i think is is really helpful well, it's, it's been inspiring to me too because obviously you're a very inspiring musician. But uh, having you know a bit of work in photography here, it's been very inspiring to me. 
And one time I had, there's a photographer I follow, um, and he's a musician, that's why I follow him as well too. Not sure if you know him, uh, he's not necessarily in your in your uh, style, uh, um, he's more sports photography, but I shouldn't say that either, because he does some fantastic landscapes, and he's known for a lot of his, he go overseas and uh, some of these old, uh, you know, ancient buildings, and he'll do stairwells, like, you know, really cool perspectives, really crazy stuff, his name's Scott Kelby. And he's, I, know, I feel like I know his name. You probably do. He's like the Photoshop guru. He's written like a million books on Photoshop, best-selling author, Lightroom uh, uh, author, best-selling book on that. He does a yeah, talk, yeah, talk show called The Grid. And he was on my show one time because he's a guitar player too. He's a Van Halen fan. He's been on here. And he looked at some of my work and two things he saw that he gave me good compliments on. And, I, and it really made me feel special because not just wasn't blowing smoke up my butt. But he said he saw the ones I shot for Live Nation when Van Halen did um, Toronto back in 2015. I shot that, which was pretty cool. And uh, But even cooler, I think, because it was something where I know nothing about. And, and I know you'll appreciate this as a photographer because I was there and I was I was asked to take some pictures. And I was having so much fun. It was a rodeo. It was a, just uh, a, a cowboy rodeo. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that. that would and, and I got these, these you know, um, uh, these jocks hanging off upside down, like with their heads, like with an inch off the ground. I'm capturing the dirt. And I didn't even realize it until I looked at the photos after. I was having so much fun. And he's like, dude, you shot rodeo. Do you know how hard rodeo is? I'm like, yeah. thank you, Scott. And I really felt uh, cool. But enough about but enough about that. So we're going to look at your Instagram for sure. Two last questions as we wrap up. we got about six minutes left here. I don't want to leave anything out here. Uh, and I do apologize. Right, I'll just say my main Instagram too is just at Alex Colmick. We have that in the description for sure. Okay. So I have to, I'm going to update the description after. I've got a link here to your website, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, cool. and uh, a Nocturnal Butterfly here. My better half has been sharing your links too. And actually, I got to awesome. give her credit too because she's the one who got me into photography. She can. She took some photos the other day. Um, we're growing a nice little garden in our back. It's all because of her. And she took some photos of some of the food we've harvested off our garden, you know, from garlic to cucumbers and tomatoes. And she shot it with her iPad, with her mm-hmm. iPad. And um, it d- does not matter the device. You either have yeah. that eye or you don't. And I was like... That's true, yeah. And you can get great images with ex- the If you got the eye, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, she's good with any device. But I guess what my point, right. point was that is like, don't let someone say, oh, that's a nice photo. You must have a nice camera. I right, ha- I right. hate that. I hate that with a passion. That's true. <laughs> That's Although true. there yeah, there are certain photos where you you really need a, a real camera. Oh, of course, of course, right to get but, that right proper depth of field. The you know all yeah, that. Yeah, especially if distances. Yeah, exactly. Like so two last points here as well too. Uh, I'm not sure who this came from. Oh, Bob, it's from Bob in Los Angeles. He says, you guys talked a little bit about Thin Lizzy earlier. Can you ask Alex what he thought about Brian Downey, Thin Lizzy's drummer? And I don't know much about uh, about uh, Brian. Did you know? Were you a fan of that drumming style, or does that ring a bell? You know, I I gotta be honest. I I respect Thin Lizzy a lot. Mm-hmm. I just I discovered him later, mm-hmm. and I I just never I wasn't turned on to them really early on. It was more like I got to know the members in other projects. Exactly. Like I got to know Gary Moore. Oh yeah through his solo record, and then later his blues records. And then I found, oh, he was in Thin Lizzy, John Sykes, and all these other, I, I discovered him, I think, through White Snake. Okay, you know? right, yeah. Um, so I don't know, yeah, and I, I just, I like him, and I, I, it's been fun to sort of rediscover them, but I just, I sort of missed the boat with Thin Lizzy. Well, very fair answer, very fair answer. 
Um, and uh, one of our, um, Heather was asking, Heather Jean, um, she says, ask Alex, just curious what your favorite Testament song is and why. And I mean, that I mean that's like picking a favorite child, of course, but is there one that's kind of stood out over the years and is it, um, is there have a sp- specific reason to you why it is so uh, special? Gosh, I mean, yeah, it's, it is, it's very difficult. <laughs> picking a child. <laughs> I would say, like, maybe for playing live, um, the title track of uh, the song The New Order Mm -hmm. is really one of my favorites. And I I think it sounds a lot, it's evolved a lot. The way it is now, especially with the current rhythm section, Gene Hoagland on drums, Steve DiGiorgio on bass, it's just so powerful. And it just kicks people in, in the head. And they respond every time and it, nice. it goes a lot of places i i just think that that's an example of something that sort of captures uh yeah the melody and the intensity well there you go that's well said well there there you go um for heather that's a good question for sure and, and obviously it has a, a, a strong meaning behind it so that's good um, we're actually pretty much at the end of the hour here, so I wanted to just apologize for people that didn't get a chance to mention their names in the chat, but we do thank you graciously for taking your time and spending this Friday evening with us. It's been a, a great pleasure. Alex, before we let you go, do you want to just, we, we're looking at the, we're actually September as of this weekend. Uh, what, what's your plans for the remaining part of the year? So we've got, you've been in the studio, there are new records recorded. Uh, yeah. That, what, what do you got left out for 2019? Yeah, I knew, so the next Testament record will be out uh, early next year. Okay. Uh, it's recorded. Um, I'm playing the, my first, I've been off a couple weeks. I just got back from, from Europe. Uh, but things are starting up again. I just did a post. Um, my first gig is a jazz festival in Vermont. Nice. Um, I'm playing with some amazing musicians. It's actually, uh, I get to be a sideman. That's cool. Uh, the Ophir Soft Quartet, uh, with, uh, Lincoln Goins on bass, who's got, he's on, a lot of like my favorite records with Mike Stern and Dennis Chambers, uh, Robbie Amin on drums. Okay, uh, that's September seventh. It's called the Stowe Jazz Festival in Vermont. Um, the next week, uh, the trio starts up again. Nice. We have a show in Wayne, Pennsylvania, uh, which is right at. It's basically Philadelphia. So anybody in Philly, please come there September tenth. Uh, the next day, uh, September 11th, not my favorite day, but of course, right. Doesn't, you know, <laughs> we won't talk about that. Always remember. Uh, it's, uh, we, we've been playing at a uh, blues alley in Washington, DC, great, uh, jazz venue. And then, uh, September 29th, which is my birthday. Um, there is a birthday show, uh, at the cutting room in New York with Alex Long trio. And I will also be interviewed by um, backstory events in cord- conjunction with Guitar World. Oh, nice! Live streamed, and it'll be a Q and A with uh, the great Brad Talinsky. Yeah, he does all those. Yeah, that's great. I love Brad. Yeah, and his book uh, "Play It Loud" was the yeah. title was used for the, the title the of that exhibit. exhibition, and um, which brings us to October, uh, middle of October. Testament does the Mega Cruise. Uh, that's with Megadeth, Anthrax, a whole number of bands. Um, October 31st. Uh, oh, I forgot the Riot Fest I'm playing September 13th with Testament in Chicago. September 14th. Okay. Uh, October 31st, Metal Allegiance um, as a four-piece is playing the 
Black Sabbath debut album in Chicago. Okay. And then uh, there are a few other shows, but um, I've also uh, I did some touring a few weeks ago with a new project called the Skullham Asylum. Okay. Myself, Stu Ham, and Joel Taylor. I love Stu. Yeah, and uh, I'm pushing that we're weak to finally record some of this music because we're doing good. some really good music. So I think the, all things, yeah, knock on wood, uh, we'll go we'll go into the studio uh, this fall after I do those shows. So there's no wonder you don't watch any TV shows. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. <laughs> well, happy early birthday as, as well, too, because we Thank probably you. won't talk before Thank then. So that's fantastic. And speaking of celebration, I just want to say this as well, too. This was funneled to me. Hugh Caldwell became a grandfather today. So congratulations. That's awesome. All uh, right. Congrats, congrats here. Awesome. Congrats, Gramps. Well, listen, everyone. We hope you have a fantastic long weekend. Be safe out there uh, if you're uh, partying and celebrating and all that good stuff. And yes, uh, holiday bit- weekend. That's right. Be safe. That's right. A big round of applause here for Alex, and thank you so very much. You were an incredible guest. I knew this was going to be a fun show, and fans are giving some great feedback here in the uh, in the uh, the chat as well, too, so it's a pleasure. Don't don't uh, take off. I'll say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, okay. we'll see you very soon. Come and see us if Thanks you can. Everybody. Yeah, nice to have you. And we'll be live again here at 3 o'clock Eastern on Sunday, uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, over on the Helix Hour. We've got guitarist Josh Smith on the program. We'll be talking about awesome, crazy stuff over there. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. Be safe, and we'll see you very, very soon. And until next time... Cheers.